Welcome to the Soma Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We hope what you hear fills your heart with hope and purpose. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and share it with friends. Here's today's message. God bless you guys. Let me say just one more time, thank you for being here. Super excited about uh, this message series. In September, we're gonna be starting a new series. You don't wanna miss it. Just gonna plug it real quick. It's called Shift. If you feel like maybe you stalled out in life or you feel like you're kind of in like first gear and, 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 the, and the RPMs are kind of just like revving overtime and you need to get into second gear, uh, we've got some truths to share with you starting in September through our Shift series that's gonna help you get into second gear, get into third gear, get into fourth gear, and get into the fifth gear of your life that's going to help you truly move and, and, and go faster and do more in your life for God uh, than ever before. But this morning, I want to share real quick the mission of Soma Church. And so our mission is to do three things. We want to help you connect to Christ. We want to help you connect to each other. And we want to help you make a difference. These three things are important to us because they are biblical, but we also believe that a church should be on a mission and that you should know the mission of the church that you're a part of. Because every church has a mission. And typically, they're, they're rather similar. It depends on kind of denominational, depends on kind of even um, what brand of Christianity it is. But I would say the vast majority of them are similar. But the way that they do their mission is vastly, is, is vastly different sometimes. But I want to say something to you about the importance of mission and about the importance of knowing the mission of the church that you're a part of. Because mission is so important. Because it's, hard to make deci- it's not hard to make decisions once you know what your values are. That's why mission is so important. It doesn't matter how long we live. It only matters how we live. That's why mission is important. And if you don't know what you stand for, you will fall for anything. That's why mission is so important. Um, I say this today so that you will know us a little bit better, so that you'll know what we're trying to aim at as a church. But I also say this to you because perhaps you need to understand what your mission is in life. Perhaps one of the most fundamental things that you'll do after you leave here today that will help you the most is that you'll walk out of here with a renewed sense of purpose and a renewed sense of mission. What are you here for? By the way, it extends beyond your occupation because your occupation won't follow you into retirement. Some of you are thinking, dear Lord, I hope not. Uh, so it's bigger than your occupation. It's bigger than what you do for a living. That's, that's part of it for sure. But it's bigger than that. It's something that God created in you before you were even born. And he said, I want this person to do this and to be about this. And I'm gifting them and I'm, I'm empowering them and skilling them in this, in this area to, to do what God's called you to do. So I encourage you to, to understand what your mission is in life, why God created you. And this is for us what, what our mission is about. We wanna help you connect to Christ. We wanna help you connect to each other. And we wanna help you make a difference. Now, I'll tell you where these three things come from, because they're not just good ideas. They come from the Bible. So if you have a Bible, you can open up your Bible to Acts chapter 2. You can turn your Bibles on to Acts chapter 2, but we will also have it on the screen here for you here this morning. But Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 43 is where we're going here this morning. And the reason um, it was important for me to go to this passage of Scripture when I was thinking about starting a church was because I felt like that we needed as a church, capital C church, not just this church, but the church universal, the church around the world, and the church in America, especially to return to our earlier days. I feel like, if I may say it this way, that, that 
we can, as we move along from the original intent and the original idea of anything, along the way we can lose some things and we can misplace some things. And I felt like it was important. And the, one of the things that I felt God was calling me to do was to return to some of the truths of the early church. And this was what the early church was about, what we're about to see in Acts 2, 42 through 43. In fact, Acts 2 is called a chapter that is based on the birthday of the church. So it's called the birthday of the church, Acts chapter 2. It's when the church was formed and, and, and then was uh, eventually um, proliferated throughout the earth. What happens in Acts 2 is kind of the foundation of the church. So I wanted to get back to foundational principles for what the church is supposed to be about. For we cannot make this mistake, guys. The church is not an organization. The church is not a building. The church is, is, is an idea that was birthed in the heart and in the mind of God. And what did he really want us to be? What did he really want us to be about? I believe in Acts 2, 42 and 43, you'll see what the church was truly intended to be. So let's read it real quick. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the sharing of meals and to prayer. And then a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. That's Acts 2, 42 through 43. And you might have heard, maybe not, but you may have heard within those, that as I was reading that verse of scripture, those verses of scripture, you might have heard the mission statement that I already read to you, that we want to connect you to Christ, we want to connect you to each other, and we want to help you make a difference. And so the very first thing that you come to in Acts 2.42 is it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what does that mean? The apostles, of course, were the disciples and the people that um, had um, been with Jesus and the people who were there um, with Jesus in Acts chapter 2. So the founding members of, of, of Christianity outside of Jesus are the apostles. And it says that, that the church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, what was the apostles' teaching? Let's talk about that for just a moment. I want to show you a couple of verses of Scripture to show you in Acts Throughout a couple of different verses, you'll see that, that this is the message. This is the teaching of the apostles of Jesus. All right? And this is Acts 5.42, and it says, And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and to preach this message. So here's the message right here in Acts 5.42. Jesus is the Messiah. So they taught about Jesus. In Acts 8.4, it said, they were scattered and they preached the good news about Jesus. So they preached the good news. What was the good news? It was the news about Jesus wherever they went. And immediately he began, this is Acts 9.20, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying he indeed is the Son of God. So hopefully you picked up on that. The apostles' teaching, what was it? It was just simply teaching Jesus. It was teaching people about Jesus. It was the apostles' desire that people would know who Jesus is. And that's what we want to do here as a church. We want to help you truly know Jesus. So the way we say it is we want to help you connect to Christ, and the way that we do that is through Sunday morning experiences. Whether you're a first-time believer, whether you're not a believer, whether you've been in church uh, your whole life, or whether you're just starting to get into church, no matter where you're at in the whole scale of things, we want to help you get to know Jesus more. And we specifically want to help you know him if you don't know him here this morning. 
And now this is really important here in a city like Cincinnati because the truth is, is that if you're raised um, like most families and many families, then you have some kind of understanding about what, what Christianity is. And maybe you were, um, you were raised up in a church. Maybe you signed a card. Maybe you went to a membership class. And maybe you were even sprinkled as a little baby and, and went like that and then started crying. And then they got you off the stage really, really quick so that, the, that they could move on to the next thing, right? Now, all of that stuff is about relationship to a church, and, and throughout some of it, you may have truly um, entered into a relationship with Jesus through some of that stuff, but it doesn't necessarily mean that just because you go to church, or just because you've read the Bible, or even that just because you pray, that you truly know who Jesus is. Oh, we want to help you understand what this is all about, to truly know him. That's what the disciples, it's what the apostles, they wanted everybody in the whole world to know that you can have a relationship with Jesus. And so this is what we're after here at Soma Church. We don't want you just to have a relationship with church or even just church people. We want you to first and foremost have a relationship with God. We want you to have a relationship with God. And this is what it says in John 17, 3, so, so that we can kind of just help you understand what this relationship looks like. He says, this is eternal life that you may know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is essentially knowing who God is. Now, the word know there, I got to tell you this because you're going to get kind of a kick out of this too. The word know there is not just a head knowledge, Okay. So the word know there is a more intimate relational knowledge. In fact, um, when in the Old Testament it says that a couple would consummate their marriage physically, it would say something like Abraham came to know Sarah. So obviously the word know there. Now, obviously I'm not encouraging you to be like, hey, baby, do you want to know each other um, a little bit better? Um, but, the, but the idea for the Hebrews was just was this, that that. The most intimate knowledge you can have of somebody is when you consummate your marriage, or it's one of the most intimate ways that you can know people. And so I know that may sound a little bit weird when we turn that around and make it a spiritual thing, but the idea is just simply this, that just like you know your spouse, and nobody can come to you and tell you your spouse is not real, and just like you know them inside and out, and you know them better than anybody else, you have an intimate knowledge of that individual, that's the knowledge that God wants us to have about him. Jesus will say it kind of this way in John chapter 3. He'll say, you must be born again. And then he'll give an analogy for this. I think this is powerful. I hope this makes sense. He'll say, it's just like when the wind blows. It goes wherever it wants. In other words, you don't see it. You can't tell where the wind is coming from, but you can hear it. And so it is that way with the Spirit. So Jesus is saying this, that there's no real external way that you see it necessarily, but you can hear it in your ear. In other words, when you're truly born again, when you truly know Jesus, come on, some of you Christians know what this is like. You know what it's like not to know him and then to know him. So what it's saying is, is that there's, you may not look different on the outside. There may be no external way that you can tell, but the way that you can know that you're a Christian and that you truly know God is something happened inside of you. And you've been changed. Come on, is there anybody excited about being changed? Is there anybody that's been changed by Jesus? See, it's more than just a religion. It's a religion with promise. It's a religion with power to absolutely change your life, to help you know him more. 
And let's let the Bible speak for itself because I want to give you the message version, which is always kind of a funny version, but there's some interesting ways that they phrase here. I want to give you Titus 3, 3 through 8, and I want to show you what the Bible says. This is what a person who knows Jesus looks like. And here's what it says. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn. Can anybody relate to that? I know I can. Dupes of sin. So in other words, we fell for sin all the time. We were duped into it, and, 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 and we were deceived ordered every which way by our glands. Now, come on, I love that, by your glands. So in other words, you just followed your whims, your passions. Whatever your body told you to do, that's exactly what you did. That's what Titus is talking about. And said, we used to live like this, going around with a chip on our shoulder. You ever known anybody with a chip on their shoulder? Maybe you got one this morning and God wants to knock it off your shoulder. But he's saying that when you, when you truly know Jesus, that some of these things start to change in your life. You don't walk around upset all the time and, and, and mad all the time. Listen to this, hated and hating one another back. Like people didn't even like you because you weren't nice to be around. And listen, you just, and you hated other people. Listen, when God comes into your life, it'll change some things in the way that you look at other people. But when God, now listen to this, but when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, he saved us from all that, from all of that, it was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath. Come on, has anybody had a good bath lately? I know that's a silly phrase, but, but here's what he's saying. The good bath is not just an external bath, right? He gave us a good bath and we came out of it. New people washed inside and out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously on us. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives, and there's more life to come. An eternity of life, you can count on this. Nobody's amen and yet, but, but, uh, but that's a good place to amen. That's, a, that's, a, that's awesome. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. Our lives weren't our own. God gave it back to us, and now we can truly say we have life. Now, some of you can relate to some of those things and you can say, yeah, God has come into my life and he's changed who I am. I didn't just adopt a Sunday morning routine, but, but, uh, but I came to know God in an intimate and powerfully life-changing way. If, if I can put it a little bit crudely to you, I just wanna say this to you. If you have never been told by a pastor before, I wanna apologize for as much as I can on behalf of pastors, I really can't. But I wanna to apologize to you this morning, but if you've never been told by a pastor that God wants to do more than fill buckets and fill seats, now I apologize to you, because God is not in the business of filling buckets and filling seats, God is in the business of filling you. God wants to have a personal relationship with you. And so what we mean when we say we wanna connect you to Christ is yes, through Sunday morning experiences, but this is ultimately what we want. We want people that don't know Jesus to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Listen, before you leave here today, if you don't know if that's true of you, if you're still walking around with a chip on your shoulder, you're still hating people and people are hating you, and you're still walking through kind of that, that difficulty of not knowing where you're gonna spend eternity, we want you to know Jesus before you leave here today. All right, and the next thing is this, and I'm gonna try to move along pretty quick here. The next thing is this, is we wanna connect you to other people. Now, I will explain this less because that makes more sense. We want to connect you to other people. Um, and, and of course, if we go back to Acts 2.42, um, it says this, that not only did they talk about the, the teaching of the apostles, which was to help people know Jesus, but they also did this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in 
meals. I don't know if you've ever been to a church that actually cared about sharing meals one with another outside of church, but you've come to that kind of church. I can say that almost every single one of the people who are now a part of our serve team are people that I've sat down um, together with and had a meal with those people. Because we believe that there's something powerful about relationship. In fact, this is what we say. We say life change happens in the context of relationships. If you're taking notes, I'd write that down. Life change happens in the context of relationships. Uh, There's a lot of places I could share this truth with you and try to prove it to you from a biblical standpoint, but there's probably no better place, at least in my mind, than to share real quick the story of the Apostle Paul. Some of you know who he is. He's the guy that wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, He's a guy that was um, radically saved by God. In fact, here's his story in a nutshell. He used to kill Christians. He was a murderer of Christians. And then on the road to Damascus, as he was going to serve some papers to kill more Christians, God appeared to him in a bright shining light, so bright that it blinded him, knocked him off of his donkey, and then, um, and then God spoke to him, spoke to him in a way that he could hear it, kind of spoke to him audibly. Now, that's pretty amazing, right? That's pretty awesome. God spoke to him in a powerful, life-changing way. And then the next part of the story is this, is after Ananias is or sorry, after Paul is taken into the city and he's blind, God speaks to a man, a disciple of Christ, named Ananias in the city. And this is what he tells him. I want you to go pray for Paul. And Ananias is gonna go pray for Paul and he's gonna receive his eyesight back. Now here's the interesting thing about that. Jesus just audibly spoke to Paul. And a bright shining light showed up to Paul. Why does he need Ananias? He just had one of the most glorious experiences with God any one of us could ever hope to have. But God still wanted to use a person to do a profound work in the life of Paul. And indeed, Paul wouldn't even be Paul if it weren't for Barnabas, the son of encouragement. That's what Barnabas means. Coming alongside of Paul, bringing him to other Christians and saying, hey, he's been changed He's not who he used to be. He's not the guy that used to kill Christians. There's something different about this dude. I hope you understand, guys, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that relationships can change your life. It says this in Revelations 12, 11, so you know it's not me just saying it. It says this, that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. They have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Now, most of us believe that, right? Jesus did this on the cross. It's pretty awesome. We get saved through what Jesus did for us on the cross. But here's the second thing. Look at this. And they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Not your testimony, but by their testimony. So in other words, because they shared their testimony... One with another, it raised the faith of people who heard that and they were able to overcome and they were able to defeat and they were able to become winners, in other words. So basically, all I'm trying to say here is this, is that we need each other. See, most Christians will will come to Christ and I would say, this is a fake statistic because there's no real way to know this, but about 80% of Christians will stop with knowing Jesus. They'll come to church on Sunday, they'll fill a bucket, they'll fill a seat, but they won't understand that God has placed a gift inside of you and each and every one of you that that I need and and, and that you need. And I hate to say it, yes, you need me, but that's okay because I need you. We all need each other. And in the context of relationship, we can truly experience life change. Let me give you one more analogy of this. For those of you who are married in the house, you're gonna amen this, just don't amen it too loud, okay? 
If you're married, you, uh, if you're anything like me, and maybe you're not, but, but, but I definitely think the experience of marriage is, is kind of general to most people. But, but sincerely, that um, um, when I got married, before I got married, dude, I thought I was pretty good. You know, I thought I was an awesome preacher. Like, um, I'm, I love people, super generous, super kind to people. I'm a really good person, Right? And then I got married, guys, and I'm not trying to say that my wife like, started pointing fingers at me, but then I realized in the context of marriage that, dude, I'm not that generous, that sometimes I'm a little bit rude with the way that I say things, and sometimes I'm a little bit edgy, and, and sometimes I'm a little bit contentious, and sometimes I'm not easy to live with, and I never would have known that if I hadn't gotten married, if I hadn't gotten into a relationship with somebody else. By the way, I think this is probably why a lot of people aren't getting married anymore and just cohabitating together is because, uh, because they're afraid of this tension. And what I want to try to encourage you to do is to embrace the tension of relationships. Listen, I know there's people that frustrate you. I know there's people that annoy you. But could it be that that is a tool that God is using to improve you, to help you see things about yourself that you don't even know about yourself already? See, you don't hear those things unless you get into to a relationship with somebody. See, tension is a tool for improvement. See, most of us run from tension. This is why we have divorces left and right. Because when tension rises up in marriage, well, it's got to be their fault. And then people want to remove the tension so they, so they split up. Instead of allowing God to use the tension as a tool to help you get better. See, that's what relationship does. It helps you become aware of things about yourself, helps you become aware of things from people's different perspectives, and then in doing so, you become better. You become more like Jesus. Another reason for this is just simply this, that listen, you're not gonna talk to people who you don't trust. You're not gonna share. You're not gonna take off the disguise. Every single one of us have one here this morning, whether we like to admit it or not. You're not gonna take off the disguise and tell people what's going on in your marriage, what's going on in your finances, what's going on with your kids. You're not gonna talk to people whom you don't trust. So you need a relationship with other people where you can take the mask off, you can trust them to hear what's going on in your heart and in your life, and you can share, share what's going on so that you can get the help that you, that you need. Here on a Sunday morning, and this is why we need to go deeper than just knowing Jesus. Um, we also need to connect to each other. Um, here on a Sunday morning, you may be going through something, and I may never know it. And you may never share it with a single person. But that's why we need to connect with each other through what we call connect groups, which is really just our small group ministry. So we want to help you connect to each other through connect groups because it's there where the masks come off. It's there where you're finally open and you say, I'm struggling with pornography. It's there where the mask comes off and you say, I hit my wife yesterday. I never thought I'd do it, but I did. It's there where the mask comes off and we, we get out of our Sunday best where we can be real one with another and talk about what's going on in our lives. That, that's what happens in the context of relationship. So listen, uh, once you get saved, we put it this way here at Soma Church, once you get saved... God gets in you, but the next step, God has more for you. He wants to get you out of you. God's moving in, and he wants to redecorate a little bit. The centerfold poster, Jesus will come into the house, and he'll be like, you know, we should probably take that down. You know, you may want to start 
making up the bed a little bit every once in a while. Jesus will move in and he will start helping you. And one of the greatest ways that he does that is he does it through people. Another way that you can look at it is this, is the, uh, the children of Israel. Maybe you're familiar with the story. You saw Prince of Egypt, the Disney movie, or something like that. Or you've read the book of Exodus, and you're familiar with that Moses story. But it's just simply this, that, that God helped the Israelites become free out of slavery and, and, and into the wilderness where they could be free people. So God and Moses brought them out of slavery. But the interesting thing is you keep on reading the story is that they, they made a, might have been out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. They still acted like slaves. They still talked like slaves. They still thought like slaves. They complained every single moment. They, they, um, they were backbiting against their leaders and, 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 and the people who were trying to help them. And they were constantly saying, let's just go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery. What? You're finally free, but... But they weren't free inside. They may have been free physically, but they weren't free inside. And so every single one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we still have issues that God wants to deal with after we've come to know him. You put it to you like this. You have issues. I have issues. We all have issues. And if you don't have issues, then guess what? You're the issue. So, all right. We all got issues, but, but through the context of relationship, God wants us to, to deal with some of those. That's why I'm so super excited, guys, about us starting um, connect groups. I want some of you guys to lead groups. I want some of you guys to be a part of groups because that's where, that's where people who are saved then become discipled. See, we want to help people who are unsaved become saved, and then we want to help saved people become discipled people. That's what we want. And that's what this second part, this connect to each other, is really all about. All right, and here's the last thing, and I'm gonna to try to move to this, through this as quickly as I can. So we wanna help you connect to Christ and connect to each other, but we also wanna help you make a difference. Once you've come to know Jesus and you have a personal relationship with Jesus, and then you started to do life with other Christians and God started to move in and he's starting to change you here and there, little by little, and some of the issues that you've dealt with, you no longer deal with those things, and God's given you freedom. Um, you've come out of Egypt, and now Egypt is out of you. The next thing that God wants to do is he wants you to see that he made you for a purpose. So you can't get this while you're still battling your issues. You're still hung up on your issues, and, and you're still hung up on the past. So God wants to help you with that, but once you, start to, once you start to deal with those things from your past, and you can truly experience freedom, the next thing is God wants you to know that the things that he's helped you with you can help other people with those things. So this is the next thing we do is we want to connect you to Christ and to each other, and then we want to help you make a difference. And here's in Acts chapter 2 going back to that. Um, it says this, that all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, and then they devoted themselves to prayer. And you may ask yourself, uh, I don't get it, Reed. How is prayer making a difference? Maybe I can pray for things and they change, but maybe they don't. And how is prayer making a difference? Well, here's how prayer is making a difference. I'm gonna show this to you real quick. John 17, nine and 11. John 17, nine and 11. This is powerful, so I hope this ministers to you. My prayer is not for the world, but for those who have, you have given me because they belong to you. So go back there real quick. So I wanna just break this down. My prayer is not for the world. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not praying for the world. This is what I'm praying for. I'm praying for you, and the you here is the disciples, but he's really also praying for anybody who believes in Jesus, so it's Christians. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for Christians. Why? This is verse 11. 
He says this, because now I am departing from the world and they are staying in the world. I don't know if that hits you like it hits me, but that's powerful. I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for you and for you and for you because I'm not gonna be in the world anymore, but guess who is? They are. And they are agents of change. So I'm praying for them. Let me put it to you this way. I did this, so I don't want you to get it twisted. I want you to get it wrong. We, we set up a post on Instagram, said we're praying for Dayton. We're praying for El Paso when, when those things happen. And we've done it in the past with other shootings. We're praying for Cincinnati when, when that shooting happened. We do, we do that all the time. But listen, and so I'm, I'm telling you, I endorse that and I encourage it. We did it ourselves. But the more biblical way of looking at prayer is not for you to pray for the world, not for you to pray for Dayton, not for you to pray just for El Paso, but the more biblical way of, of praying that prayer, I think, is this. God, what can I do to make a difference? How can I shine light in my city to help people who are struggling? How can I truly be the difference I want to see in the world? So you can pray for yourself because God has put a gift in you. And who knows but that there may be somebody who's battling with depression and you shine the light of Jesus in that person's life and it changes what their agenda looked like before they walked into Walmart. I'm not trying to turn you into a vigilante through, through, <laughs> through becoming a witness of Jesus. But what I am trying to tell you is that God's placed a gift in each and every one of us and he wants us to make a difference. Prayer, in other words, is not just about changing things out here. The more you get this, the better your prayers will start coming. And I think you'll start uh, hearing some, some of your, or seeing some of your prayers come to pass. When you start realizing that we pray a lot of prayers about God changing this. But when we start praying prayers, God changed this and use me. That's when I think you'll start to see some of your prayers come to pass. I've recently started doing this. I, instead of saying, God, would you give us growth? God, would you help our church grow? I've started praying this. God, would you help me know what I need to do to be a catalyst for growth in our church? God, would you help me know what I need to do to help people grow and to help our church grow? God, give me the wisdom to know what I need to do to grow. Because God's placed something inside you. Look at this, Daniel 6, 1 through 3. And I'm just going to go ahead and skip to 3 for me. So Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. And the king made plans to place him over the empire. So you see, Daniel proved himself because of the great things that God had done in him. Because Daniel's great ability, the king made him and put him in a place over the entire empire. And here's what I want to submit to you. That God's placed abilities and talents and giftings in you that he wants you to do. That, that he wants to do through you. And I can tell that to you today with a straight face. Because I'm a nobody from nowhere. Now maybe, I, uh, maybe it's not the best um, analogy here this morning because I don't think we're six months, seven months old as a church, going on seven months old as a church, and we haven't yet to even see all the great things God wants to do here as a church. But I can tell you, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Florida. Now, you say Florida, and you're like, that's not the middle of nowhere because of Miami and Tampa. Listen, I grew up in North Florida, which is basically lower Alabama, all right? So I grew up in a very country, very rural place. In fact, the place where I got saved no, no, no lie. Sop choppy Florida. Sop choppy. 
All right, uh, just down the road is Panacea, Florida, and the major commerce in Panacea, oysters. People would go out and pick up oysters, and that's what they would sell to make a living, all right? So, I mean, I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Before Jesus came into my life, I was failing out of college, um, and, and had almost not graduated high school. I was a real winner, folks. Um, the good news is, is that I knew karate because I loved uh, the karate kid, um, but, but listen, I was, I was throwing my life away, and then Jesus came into my life. And I never thought that I would get anywhere outside of Tallahassee. And ever since Jesus came into my life, I have been all over the world. I've learned three different languages. I've gotten a master's degree. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you, God has done things in my life that I never imagined. Because I yielded myself to his will for my life. And God's taken me from the country to the city and now planning a church in the middle of Cincinnati where I think to myself still, like, I can't believe that this is, this is where I've been. I was just a stupid 19-year-old, nobody from nowhere, throwing my life away. And now here I am in Cincinnati years later, starting a church, helping people come to know who Jesus is. And all of it is because God came into my life and he helped me understand that he created me for a purpose. And he created me on purpose. And each and every one of you are called to make a difference too. So the last thing we want to tell you is this, is that once people are unsaved, they become saved. Once they save, people become disciples, is that we want disciples to be mobilized. And so just like all the other three, through, through connecting to Christ, we, we, we have Sunday morning experiences to help people connect to Christ. We have connect groups to help people connect to each other. And then we have something called Next Steps, and we have something called the Serve Team to help people to become mobilized as disciples of Jesus Christ. Next week, I just want to throw this plug in here. Next week, we're going to pick up Next Steps, and you can be a part of it. We do it every single uh, first, second, and third Sunday. After every single Sunday, we have Next Steps. You can go through Next Steps, and it can be your way to figure out what your gifting is, discover what God's called you to do, and then you can join our serve team where you um, can be a blessing just like some of these guys were here this morning helping you through the doors and helping you with information and helping you check your kids in and stuff. You can be a blessing too, and you can make a difference too. And the way that we do that here is through helping you discover your gift and your talent and then helping you put that thing to work. Because I believe when you're finally on a team doing what God has called you to do, it's the happiest that you will be in this life. When you truly figure out what it is that God's called you to do and then you get on a team with other people who are doing that too, it is the most happy you will be in this life. There's nothing like knowing that when you go to church, you're not just going to sit, but that you're going to make a difference. And that's what we wanna help you do. And then I wanna just share this last thing with you as the worship team comes up. Acts 2.43. Do you have that, Sam? If you don't, I'm gonna read it anyway. Acts 2.43. Here is the end result of people connecting to Christ and to each other to make a difference in our world. And this is what we want here at Soma Church. This is what it says. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now, I don't know what you guys think about this, but I just want to speak with you, just level with you from my heart here today. Um, we don't see this enough. And we here at Soma Church believe that God is not done with miraculous signs and wonders. God is not done healing people. God is not done raising people up from their old life into a new life. God is not done healing the blind. God is not done raising people up from wheelchairs. I know what you're thinking. Really, Reed? That's what he does? We just wanted to have a good little nice message. No, listen. God's got more. 
After you get saved, he wants you to connect with other people. After you connect with other people, he wants you to make a difference. God is a God who promises you more. Do you want the more? Listen, I don't know if you're going to hear this in other churches because they don't want to put the burden upon you about wondering or not whether or not God is working in your life like this. And I don't want that burden on you either. All I can say to you is this, with all of my heart, if God is not done with signs and wonders, if God is not done with doing the miraculous, and I'm not talking about being goofy, I'm not talking about drawing attention to yourself, I'm talking about true bloom miracles. I'm talking about the power of God, irrefutable, undeniable, being in this church on a Sunday morning. Well, I guarantee you that's why God calls us to this place and that's why God called us to Cincinnati is so that we could usher in a revival into this city and whether it happens through us or whether it happens through another church we just want to be a part of trusting God for signs wonders and miracles thank you so much for listening to today's message for more messages like this one please check out our channel for past episodes If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing and sharing with friends. For more info about Soma Church, please go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you in person.